Welcome back to the Kendra's Treasures podcast. My podcast about me, a small business owner slash entrepreneur slash creative who has no history or background in business. So I didn't necessarily go to school for this. I'm just kind of out here doing it. But today I have a special guest joining me. Some of my listeners know her and some of you may not, but this woman is known for her doing it herself attitude, (laughs) being crafty and creative, but I think she's most popular or best known for her amazing ability to single-handedly raise two children. That's right. I brought my mom. Yay. Greetings, future business owners. Um, My name is Pat McDowell. Um, I re- I got married a couple of years ago. I used to be Pat King. Everybody knew me as Pat King. Pat King was just one name for me. Um, and yes, I was a single mom for 23 years, um, which was not um, an easy task, but it was a task that I knew that I had to set some goals and remain focused and be a good role model for my children. And so I did everything I could to make sure that we had whatever we needed. We didn't have a lot, but we also had enough. And sometimes that's all you need is enough. To have enough and to know that you are enough. All right, so you may be wondering why, Kendra, why did you bring your mom on this episode? So the answer is kind of simple, but it's a little bit complex. Um, Me and my mom were having a conversation the other day And uh, we were talking about my lack of experience uh, at being a small business owner. And my mom started giving me some family history of all of our family members um, in the past who have been business owners or been entrepreneurs. And I thought to myself, self, you are your ancestors' wildest dreams. But more importantly, where you may feel like you lack in knowledge, you make up for in skill and in DNA. So today we're going to be talking all about knowing your own history and how it's important for you and your journey as a small business owner or entrepreneur and creative. So mom, let's talk a little bit about your creativity or our family history and tell us about those magic hands that you have. Well, my creative hands, I think, came from my mom. My mother was... A 10th grade dropout she had five children all under the age of five at some point and she was able to do so much with just her creativity and her ability to get things done she had tenacity and so she would she was a licensed barber licensed beautician licensed nurse and a licensed seamstress And she did all of those things. Whenever one thing wasn't working well, she went to another thing. And she just consistently kept moving forward, setting goals for herself. And I don't even think she thought about it at that point in her life. I think she just did. Because sometimes you just have to do it. And Nike has the slogan, just do it. But they didn't really make it the way our ancestors made it. They didn't really understand it the way our ancestors understood it. And so I like to think that I inherited that from her. And she in turn inherited it from her family because her father always had a barbershop for as long as I have known 
um, him and for as long as I've been alive. And then on the other side of the family, my dad's people were tailors. And so they had a tailor shop. So everybody, my grandparents did not work for other people. They worked for themselves. And so that ability to sort of focus and say, this is what we're going to do. I, I, I really want to know more about how they got there. Yeah. Uh, because I don't know the history of how they got to that point. I know their houses, they lived at their businesses. So the business was on the lower floor, their homes were on the upper floor. And my grandmother, I remember my grandmother on my dad's side, she would always come down at a certain time of the day and she would cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner for my uncle who worked in the shop and for my grandfather who worked in the shop. And they always had at least one or two other people working there with them in the tailor shop. Was that Mama Deer? Yes, yeah, Mama okay, Deer and Papa. That. I remember going to her house, but it was on top of the tailor shop. I right. remember that when yeah. I was young, young. So that was the second location. Okay. There was um, The first location was on Meadow Street in Richmond, Virginia. And Meadow Street was this neighborhood, but it had black-owned businesses in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So my, my dad's people had the tailor shop on one end of the block, and then about a block and a half away, you could look from my, my grandfather, my, my dad's people's house down to my other grandfather's house. Okay. And at his house was a barbershop and a beauty parlor. And so we, we would just go up and down the street from one business to another. So we never, we never knew that, that experience of not having um, business or entrepreneurship in our families. Um, so it was, it was, and I think I took a lot from that because for my mom, she had to do a lot. She sold when she was a licensed seamstress, she sold for, um, Pollock Taylors, which was the name of the tailor shop. And so she would bring uniforms home cause they had contracts with like the city police or the city fire station. And we would have to sew patches onto those uniforms. You know, now they probably just press them on, but we right, had yeah. to sew them on by hand. And so I learned to sew, I learned to crochet, I learned to knit, I learned to cross stitch. Um, I loved painting. All those things became a way for me to escape some of the realities of, you know, what was going on in our world, our little worlds back then, um, back in the 60s, 50s, 60s. I was going to say, 60s. tell us when, back in what time? <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I was born in 58. And like I say, the uh, my family's tailor shop and barbershop were in existence way before I became a human being. Um, but again, I don't know the history of how that all came about. And I really would like to know that we have one aunt on my dad's side who is still alive. And uh, my mom is still alive. Right. So it's important now for me because of this conversation <laughs> that I want to go back and talk with them about how did this all happen? You know, can we, can I find the history? Because I don't think my grandparents went to college. Right. I think... I know my dad went to college for a very short while before mm -hmm. he uh, was asked to leave. What? <laughs> he was uh, asked to leave? What, what happened? Courtney Pollard was a bit of a <laughs> rebel, okay. and he was a bit of a drinker. Okay. And so he went to college as a wild boy. And so he went to St. Paul's College in Virginia. Is that still the name of the college? I think it is. I think it is. St. Paul's College is a small um, um, black 
college. It's a black college? Yes. So it's an HBCU? Yeah, it might it might not be in existence anymore, but it was St. Paul's College just outside of the on the border of Virginia. I'll have to look at And that. Virginia and North Carolina. Um so it it's there's a lot of history. You, right. I mean knowing your history, knowing where you came from, knowing who your people were, knowing how how they struggled, mm-hmm. how they created, how they how just how they existed is important to us as people and then uh, us as business people. Right. Uh, one of the things I think, you know, in terms of being creative, that's my escape. Mm-hmm. I go to another place. I've been a single mom and you have to, you know, get up every morning, get everybody dressed, get them fed, get out the house, get in the car, drive downtown. Cause most of the time I work downtown. Yep. We used to take those rides with you in the car. That's right. Yeah. And you know, those were still creative times, even in the car. Uh, we used to sing all the way home from, uh, I work in childcare and we used to sing all the way home. And if anybody else got in the car with us, to catch a ride home, um, Kendra would be the first one to acknowledge that this was her time yeah. and you could not interrupt her singing time. And one of her, you know, she, she hates when I tell the story. One of her favorite songs was little Arabella Miller. Oh, and it was about a, uh, uh, caterpillar. And, you know, she would want me to sing, sing Arabella Miller, mommy, sing Arabella Miller. And I guess since I brought it up, I have to sing it in order for oh, you to geez. know the song. Little Arabella Miller had a fuzzy caterpillar. First it crawled upon her mother, then it crawled upon her brother. Also, oh, Arabella Miller, take away that caterpillar. And she just loved that song. It just tickled her to no end. And so I used to tell people, now when you get in the car, we're going to sing from the time we pull off to the time we get to our destination. So I just want you to be aware of that. So I, I limited a lot of things for my children. I limited TV. And one thing was because we had a broken TV and they didn't realize it was broken. Now, oh, yeah, a lot of broken things that I never realized were broken until I was an adult. Yes. Well, do, do you think those broken things and this, these limitations that you're about to talk about maybe contributed to our ability to be creative thinkers? Absolutely. I think that electronics tend to zap your creativity. My mother used to call the TV the idiot box. She would <laughs> say, get up from that idiot box. And so I guess that kind of stuck with me. You know, the things that your mom say mm-hmm. really stick with you. Then you turn into your mother. Then you turn into your mother. <laughs> so uh, we would watch videos a lot. Right, I remember that. We watched a lot of movies. We have, And I still have like almost all of the Disney movies on VHS in the garage. And it was because we could control the time that we spent doing that. Mm. So on Friday nights, that was y'all's video night. And then we would, you know, have all, you know, popcorn and all that kind of Mm. stuff and watch videos. During the week, I felt like it was a time zapper to watch TV. So there was no time for TV. We had a lot that we had to get done. And also, when you came home, when we came home, I would let you color. I would let you do all kinds of creative things. Here's some beads. What are you gonna do with these? Here's some glue, some some glitter, all this kind of stuff that you all just love to, you know, put your hands in and get messy with it. Mm-hmm. That's true. So I, cause I remember just like, and we're sitting here, and y'all can't see this, but we're sitting here, and I'm like doodling on the paper as she talks. But I remember 
as a child, I will always see your doodles mm-hmm. on random pieces of mail or like <laughs> yeah. uh, napkins and things like that. And like, I think once I found like a little book where you had drawn people. So tell us about your, I know you have an idea, like you, it was about a girl in a hut or something like that. Oh or, yeah. But I, it was really about a Terry. Yes. My sister went to Benin um, with the Peace Corps and she lived in a tree house. And so I wrote a book about Terry's treehouse and it talked about her, you know, being in this treehouse and I drew pictures and I would do that for a lot of people though. I would send them like mail, snail mail. I would send them a letter and in that letter I might include a little picture book that I drew and wrote a story about them. Right. So almost everybody has one except <laughs> me. My brother has one and he and it talked about his best friend who used to help him get into a lot of trouble. Not good trouble, though. Which brother, though? Eugene. You two brothers. Eugene. <laughs> that would help him get into a lot of trouble. And so um, I drew him this book and told him that even though he, they got into trouble together, they were really the best of friends. And so how, how, how important friendship was. So my little storybooks, my mm-hmm. sister brought one back to me not too long ago that oh, she really? found. And so I was like, some of them I don't remember, but I know I wrote them because <laughs> um, it's my handwriting and right. it's, you know, it's my work and it kind of brings me back. But I used to love doing that kind of stuff and doodling is one of my favorite things to do. So now they have technical names for people that take markers doing meetings and they oh, yeah, do they this. Oh, yeah, mind maps. My, mind maps, I do that yes. Too. Yeah. That helps me. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's important that we don't get too far away from the things that keep our hands busy. Because I think we keep our hands busy. We keep our minds busy. Right. And we stay away from, you know, the things that keep us from being the successful people that we can be. Right. Because self-doubt is a dream killer. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, because I've written a couple of children's books that I've never published. I know. So I, I was going <laughs> to ask you about that. You know that was going to come up. <laughs> well, it's all about self-doubt. But why, yeah. are, why do you think you're doubting yourself? If you come from such a long line of entrepreneurs and kind of just like, they like to be, so you were born in 58, so that means like Mama Deer and them was probably born in what, like the 30s? Yeah, or or, or they were older. Because she was like 94, right, when she passed, mm-hmm. and I was, what, like 10? Yeah. Yeah, so like, you come from a long line of people who are very cutting edge, and you you just talked about a whole block of black-owned business, and well, you won't put out a children's book? <laughs> well, it, it, it becomes personal. It becomes like people get to judge you so, based on what you write. And you're right. And, I, and I've said that to myself a million times, and I don't know why I haven't done it and why I haven't just said, here, let me you know get this ready to publish. Uh-huh. I have about three or four of them that I've written, and... I even had one on, you remember the little, you probably don't remember, there were little discs that you um, used in computers, like little floppy discs, disc, but oh, the little God. teeny floppy disc. I still have one on that floppy disc. Where are you going to find a computer that's going to Oh, it's okay. Disc? I have it. I have it in writing. <laughs> I, did the, I did the poor man's copyright with my books. I right. would um, write them out, hand write them out, mail it to myself and not open it um, because it becomes an official federal um you have a stamp on it from the federal government that said, you know, it dates it. Okay. So it becomes like a little copyright. So if anybody steals my story, I can say, I wrote that story back in 19, 
Nobody would know because you never put it out, though. Yeah, but I have it. It's, still, <laughs> it's in the sealed envelope. But the story. I know. That's true. That's true. The story. Okay. And, like, you're pretty well connected. I feel like you would know somebody who's a publisher who could help you or an editor who could help you. Like, have you drawn the pictures with it or have you just written the words? Some of, uh, one book I did draw some pictures, but I wasn't really happy with my pictures. I wanted different pictures. So, yes, I probably could. You could. I probably need to dig some of that stuff up and, and get them published. But mm, who knows? Stay tuned. Like, stay tuned. <laughs> So um, another thing I want to talk about is uh, when we were younger, not when we were children necessarily, but I think I may have been in college. So you did the kitchen floor. So you're very do-it-yourself. Um, and I definitely think that's where I get my ability to kind of do it myself. And you can pretty much hand me anything and I can figure it out with my hands and just looking at it. Um, but so you redid the kitchen floor and you did tile and uh, all of that good stuff. Was that your first time doing that when yeah. you did it? Yeah, it was. Um, somebody told me how to do it, and I was like, okay. And so um, this guy helped me put the backer board down, and then he just said, okay, you put the mortar on, and you, you know, you push the tile down, and you put these spacers between it, between the tile. And I was like, okay. And so he left, and I had a tile cutter, and I tiled the floor. I mean, I, I think I did read up on it a little bit, uh -huh. and I think that's important that you do your research. Right. Don't just jump into things without doing the research right. um, so that you can have a better understanding of where you're going to go. Make a plan. Right. In any business or any venture you get into, you have to make a plan. Set You've some goals, make a plan. Okay. Yes. I, I'm a plan. I plan things out because I want to. She's a Capricorn. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> I think that's important, and you have to, in order to be successful, you want to reach a reach your goal. What's your what's your objective? What's your goal? And what's your roadmap? Your plan is your roadmap. Right. And you remember back in the good old days, you didn't have GPS. You had a roadmap. Until we had what was it, MapQuest, and we always used to, have to print the maps off. That's right. <laughs> and we had maps before that, and Atlas, yeah. and and things of that nature. That's how we traveled. We didn't travel, you know, like you travel now with a where the woman is going turn left in 700 feet turn left and it's yeah. just like shut up oh. let me figure it out on my own yeah you like to take those um those road trips or you go on unknown roads That's the road true. less traveled that is you definitely <laughs> the other day i went down a street i had never been down every time i pass a street you know you live in neighborhoods you live in places and you pass these streets every day mm -hmm. and you never go down that street and so now I'm, you know, all my life I've been that type of person. I was like, oh, I want to go down that street and see what's down there. I think that's just curiosity, human curiosity. Mm -hmm. So, yes, and you have that same curiosity. Yeah, I do. But do you think that, like, sometimes, I guess you could relate your this analogy back to you and not putting out your children's book. You pass that street every day. And you don't go down. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's true. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way, but yes. So that is true. I, I so have. Why I have? Why haven't you been curious enough to go down that street? I have. It's just <laughs> that when when you talk about um, being, I said at the beginning that you need to know that you are enough. Right. And I think I had so much going on that that was one thing that I was like, okay, 
I can't, I can't stop this. You know, I'm, I'm the hamster on the wheel. Mm-hmm. And I can't stop the wheel long enough to go over here to um, do something different. Right. Um, I felt like I needed to, to you know, feed the family and do right. all those things. Yes. And so my focus, I lost, I, I kind of, that book was a side thing. It was like fun to do. Right. And I can tell you, if any business you do, you want to do something that brings you joy. Right. That makes you just happy. This, um, I used to go to this, um, this guy who, like, personal trainer. And I took Micah with me. Micah's my son. My brother. I took him with me. And he asked Micah, he said, if you had $500,000 in the drawer right now, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Because Micah was having trouble deciding how, what he really wanted to do, where he really wanted to go. And the guy said, think about it. If you had $500,000 in the drawer right now, what would you do? And he said, then that's the thing you need to do. Right. What did Micah say? He didn't say much at the time. <laughs> but he did decide that he wanted to be a Marine. He did. And that's true. That is very true. And he and he really committed to that because he, he had to lose a lot of weight. He did. He got really skinny. And if any of you know my brother, you know he has never been a skinny dude. <laughs> <laughs> but he got really skinny. So, like, with all of this being said, I guess I never really thought about where my natural urge to build a legacy for myself and my family really came from. But I think after this conversation, um, I've learned... She's telling me to stop fidgeting with my pen, so that's why I had a weird pause just then. Um, I've learned that it's just in my DNA, I guess, at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, I think some of these things are things I wouldn't be able to get from (laughs) Ancestry.com. Yeah. And some of these things, we, some of the things we just talked about, you want to dive a little deeper into and learn a little more about to figure out how they kind of got started. Um, So I think that as a small business owner, it's good to know where you come from because I talk about my lack of history in business, but really... It's been inside. Yeah, I have a long history of business, and that's crazy to think about. Uh, so you really have to know where you're com- Where I guess like that saying, know where you're from to know where you're going, mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that how it goes? Know where you're coming from, coming where you come from to know where you're going. Right, yeah. right. So, do you think it's important for a small business owner to know their history, and do you think it can affect their business journey? Absolutely. I mean, when you think about the your ancestors being in business during the times that they were in business when there was were all kinds of restrictions and Jim Crow and people being right. racist and um, not you know banks not wanting to lend money to to black people and, and they still like have some of those practices in place today yeah but but it's okay so we are we are more informed today about that right so we are more on top of it and we have um access to legal folks and and all all of that right. but i keep thinking about my grandparents they didn't have access to lawyers and <laughs> things like that how did they do it my grandfather's shop had singer sewing machines the industrial singer sewing machines mm-hmm. And how did they come up with the resources to get all of this? I'm so curious as to know how we got to that point. Yeah. And um, my other grandfather, he had everything, you barber chairs, 
you know, beauty salon chairs, sinks in there. All those things were there and in place. I think that um, barbershops and beauty salons are kind of like a staple in the black yes, community, yeah. especially when it comes to your small business. I, I'd never, but not, not so much a tailor shop. Not a tailor shop, no. Like, that's, a, that's a skill. Yeah. And, and that's a skill that my grandfather and my uncle perfected. Right. They knew how to tailor men's clothing in particular. Now, my grandmother did women's clothing upstairs. Okay. And she, she, so she had her room that she worked out upstairs. So those are skills that they have to have. My grandfather on my mother's side, Richard Jefferson, he was a hustler. Mm -hmm. Now, in addition to his beauty and barbershop, now he had what they call speakeasies at night. Oh, like spoken word. No. What's that? What's a speakeasy? It was like you came to get liquor by the by the shot glass. Oh Lord! It was illegal. <laughs> and he would have people come over because we were at his house one night, and these folks kept coming in, and he was pouring drinks, and they were drinking, and you know a lot why of. Why they call it a speakeasy? I'm not sure why. I see. That's another thing that I need to. It was just. The stuff we take for granted, right? That we just accept as being a part of life, like a speakeasy. Right. And so he was a hustler, but he did have the skill of being a good barber. Right. And so a lot of people um, knew him, and they would come to his shop and you know shoot the breeze. And then at night, <laughs> things you know turned in something a little different. Yeah. And then, but that was. That was far away from my other grandparents. They were very, they were Eastern star, you know, sort of upper scale a bit more, but all still good stuff to know about who you are and how you got to where you got to. Right. That tenacity to run a business yeah. and to run a business in that time and era must have been, I, there's so much now that I'm thinking about it right now. I'm like, what, how did that happen? How did they get there? Yeah. So you have it in your DNA. You have it in you to want to be an entrepreneur. And I know I have it in me too. You definitely do. But I have taken, my dad worked for the post office, for the okay. U.S. post office. Yes, he did. For 30 years and he, and he kept saying to us, get yourself a good job. Get yourself, you know, so you make good money. So you mm -hmm. take care of yourself. And anytime we wanted to quit, I was like, don't quit that good job, girl. No. <laughs> um, so, and that kind of stuff, it competes with that other part of you. That, that other part of me that says, oh, I can't make any money at doing that. Okay. Like creative stuff. Like my sister says I should be an interior designer. You but... do love, you love <laughs> do. interior design and uh, and HGTV and all of that, like you, right. you, home improvement, that is your other thing. Yes, that and so is your thing. my my sister keeps saying you should be. Which sister? Because you have Terry. to. Terry <laughs> said I should be an interior designer because she said I went into this lady's house. This was years and years ago, and they had bought this beautiful home that was definitely had a, a, a sort of a an Asian flair to it. And she, they had done some things in that house. And I was like, no, that's all wrong. You know, when you know the history of the house, when you know the building, the architecture, mm -hmm. you go, no, that's, I was like, no. So I went home and took pictures out of magazines and wrote her and gave it to her and said, this is what your house should look like. Mm -hmm. These are the colors and the things that you should have in your house. And my sister was like, what are you doing? You should be an interior designer. But in my 
my brain told me that you can't make money on that creative stuff. Okay. My dad's voice was ring is it's louder. Going, mm-hmm. keep that good job, girl. Uh, make that you know. Da, 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 da. And that's a totally different voice that he had with me because I was his queen. Okay. Oh yeah. I was yeah. a beautiful queen, and I couldn't do any wrong in my grandfather's eyes, and I could do whatever I want to do. That's right. <laughs> but um, another thing I did want to ask you to share. Uh, tell us what happened to the, before we go, tell us what happened to the, um, the block of black business on how, like, because we talked about the Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma thing, what happened there, but right. what happened in Virginia? What did they do? They built a freeway mm-hmm. through that area. And so in, in that process, they relocated all those businesses or you had to relocate the businesses, the, um, homes, all of it was you know, had to be demolished. Right. And so my my grandfather on my father's side, the tailor shop, they moved their business to a second, a new location, 2530 West Main Street in Richmond. And that's area. the location I've been to. That's the one you've been to. You never right. saw the Meadow Street location. And so they moved there and continued their business. They lived upstairs and the tailor shop was downstairs. It was a much larger space. So in in essence, they it was a gift because they moved up and moved into a better neighborhood and moved um, into a more visible, more marketable area. Mm-hmm. Whereas the barbershop, my grandfather didn't reopen the barbershop after that. Um, so he just, he moved, but he did not reopen his barbershop. So that's what happens to a lot of, you know, sometimes... Progress can be a double-edged sword. Right. It can be good and it can be um, destructive at the same time. I guess it's kind of very, actually very similar to like gentrified neighborhoods. Right. They were once at some point thriving black neighborhoods. Then all of a sudden they become the ghetto. And then all of a sudden we have other people moving in because it's close to the city. It's up and coming. It's cutting edge. It's all of these great things. And they move in, they gentrify the neighborhoods, and then kind of erase all of the history. Right, right. And that's that's insane. But, so my last question for you is, when are you going to start your business? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Because I, I think I am at that point where I'm ready to not retire, but to move away from what I've been doing for the last 25. 35, 40 years, which is early childhood education. Yes, I've been doing it a long time. Started out with Head Start, moved into, um, you know, different things here in Atlanta and been with the same company for 25 years. So 25 years is enough. I think my dad would be happy that I satisfied his requirement. So I'm thinking now it's time to satisfy that creative side of um, my vision, my plan. And I have, I think I have the, I have the, the, what is it? I have the resources. I have the resources (laughs) that I need to get some things done. I I don't want to, you know, say what those things are, but they will be um, as a result of my creative side. My sister, Terry, is my sounding board, and she has said to me, we always want to help people, 
And she said, what about the other stuff that we want to do? You helped enough people. And I was like, wow, that was a revelation for me. And she is so right. My, my degree is in, my degrees are in social work. Right. And so I do have that, that, that tendency to want to be helpful. But now I want to be helpful in a different kind of way. I want to bring some beauty and some joy into the world. And so that's going to be part of utilizing my creative side and, you know, getting my hands down and dirty and making my own way in life. My own way is what I'm going to say right now. And that's it. Okay. And that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) I do want to say one more thing to you, though. I think that like you mentioned Grandpa Courtney's voice in your head. Mm-hmm. I don't think you put that same voice in our heads. No, which, and I'm getting teary-eyed, but get myself together. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and, and see, what, what people used to ask me, what do you want for your children? And they always thought I should have said something else. I said, I want them to be creative thinkers. Mm-hmm. I always said it. I want them to be creative thinkers. I said, because creative people can think their way out of a brown paper bag. And that's the truth. And so when you, when when Michael was into rocks, was <laughs> like, okay, let's do a little digging into rocks. When whatever you were into. Remember my, my belly dancing phase? Yeah. <laughs> I was appalled, but I was like, okay. <laughs> she, she brought me books. Belly dance. <laughs> Let me get some books and some Get her ready to belly dance. Um, so, you know, the astrology, what was it? The oh, astrology, astrology, I'm still very into um, that. I was like, okay. I buy my me, own books now. Let me feed that in my children. Yeah. I don't want my dad's words to be in their heads, that you have to have a nine-to-five job in order to make it in this world, because you don't. You have to have creativity. You have to have tenacity. You have to have perseverance, and you and it's not going to be easy. It's never going to be easy, but it will be rewarding in the end when you um, when you. you achieve your goals. All right, so to close us out, I just want to say thank you, Mom, for coming on the show today. Thank you for giving me some good history. Um, and to everybody else, thank you guys for joining us today. Check out my Patreon and make pledges so that you can get. Bonus content, shout outs, early episode releases, and more. Um, also, I will take a picture of my notes and my doodle so y'all can see what I was doing <laughs> during this episode. Perfect. Also, follow my YouTube channel. Uh, it's Kendra's Treasures. It's on YouTube. I give tutorials on there uh, about creating waist beads, what you need, what you maybe should use, maybe what you don't shouldn't, or what you shouldn't use things that are my preferences what I like to use you can also follow my Instagram Kendra's treasure underscore underscore chest um on there I just post pictures of the waste creations that I've made I post a little bit like I post a few pictures about the podcast but I just started this is only my second episode so I'll post more on there I still don't have a Facebook I really don't feel like I need it but you can go look at my website www.kendrastreasures.com Follow me on Patreon. My Patreon is Kendra's Treasures. Um, if you would like to purchase waist beads, go to my website. And mom, did you have anything else you wanted to say? I just want to say to uh, all the future business owners out there, dedicate yourself to making it happen. Surround yourself with the right people. Do the research and just get it done. <laughs>